Welcome to episode 213 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, strategies, and brewers for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Manchester, UK, and with me on the line from Chicago, Illinois, it's the one and only Dave Harbarger. We're here in the daytime again. Stan, no Shane, we're doing it in the day. I feel equally awkward to last week. Uh, but I'm on less sleep, so that's good. I tried to get a nap in as well, and I just couldn't. Yeah, yeah. I was too busy playing Pokemon. I was busy playing poker, man, last <laughs> night. So that's what we were doing. So Shane is out today. He told us yeah. last week he couldn't be here on the show. But we do have a very special guest joining us all the way from vacation land. It's Ryan Donkin. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how's it going, guys? We're doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Ryan, it's awesome to meet, talk to you, meet you, finally, after exchanging Twitter messages over the years and seeing many decks of yours go by and have people uh, play. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like it's been a long time coming. Uh, happy to be in the seat. And uh, yeah, a huge fan of Twitter. And um, I, I feel like I just live there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> if I ever have a thought, I just put it down, you know? That's never gone wrong for anybody, I don't think. Yeah. I also want to mention, for, for what it's worth, you know, Ryan, I don't know if you're aware of this, Ryan, but this is uh, a secret bonus that you unlocked by being one of the few people to actually buy a fanny pack from <laughs> our start. Now, I don't want to reveal too much about you personally, but you did put an unboxing video of you getting the fanny pack on Twitter. How's the fanny pack treating you? Uh, I'm Literally, I'm not going to lie. I've actually replaced my wallet with the fanny pack. No. So... <laughs> I've, I've wow. literally, you're probably sitting there like, he's just saying that. I'm not saying that. I like whenever I leave the house, I have it on. I have my ID in there, my debit card in there. Um, it's just like super convenient. You know, I don't have to keep my phone in my pocket anymore. Everything is just right here. So, uh, and stylish. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> this That's is, hilarious. This is incredible. If you want to be the fourth host, just say it. That's all. <laughs> Just buy more fanny take. packs, everybody. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. It's a yeah. fanny pack race. Yeah, if, if you want to be here, just buy a fanny pack from the Dive Down website. That's all <laughs> you have to do, I guess. <laughs> now, Ryan, debit yeah. card. You got to get a credit card, man. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. Get some points. You, yeah, I could use a few points in my life, for sure, for sure. You know, I got to, if I'm trying to build credit, you know, I hear there's a really great Rhino t-shirt that I could be purchasing with said credit oh. card. So that too. Yeah. We do take, we do accept uh, PayPal as well. Everybody just so you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not just, it's not just plastic. So what are we doing this week? Ryan's here. He's going to tell us what it's like to actually be good at playing combo decks and maybe strong share word. some other wisdom. <laughs> good combo or good? Good. <laughs> good is a strong word, but uh, yeah, I know. I guess I have a bit of a track record. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get into it. All right. Let's, Let's do some housekeeping really quick before we can really dive yep. into this. We have a new patron, Chubba Hubba Max. Hey, Chubba Hubba. Thanks for your support. Welcome to the Dive Down Nation. No increased tiers, no new reviews, but we do have a special perk for members of said Dive Down Nation. Dave, is there a tournament coming along? There is, and this is thanks to our wonderful Discord member, Orlox, who has been doing tournaments a long time, basically ever since we all switched to Pandemic World. We were have been doing online camera tournaments, and, and uh, Orlox has been a big part of that. And he just asked, because there's been like a resurgence in interest, he asked that we 
let people know that if you want to get in this cord and you want to play in our next paper modern league, there's going to be starting one in about two weeks. So we have a tournament channel that you can pop into in Discord and you can add Orlocks or you can just post a message there and say you're interested and he organizes it all. And there are like five or six rounds. You do it over a couple of weeks. It's really loose, but uh, people have a lot of fun with it. We've, we've been getting, you know, 10, 15, 20 people involved, which is great. So uh, we said we were doing solid. Just mention it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. If you'd like to get into the Dev Donation and into these tournaments, you do have to be a patron of the show. You can find our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down. Ryan has mentioned the fanny pack. He's mentioned the Rhino t-shirt. There's all sorts of swag, just like those two items over at the divedown.com slash store. A great way to support us directly as well. As always, you can support us while playing Magic Online with Mana Traders, a Mana Trader subscription. Using promo code THEDIVEDOWN10, you'll get 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. And last but not least, there's Barrister and Man grooming products. Get 15% off your first order from Barrister and Man with promo code THEDIVEDOWN15. Oh, there's one more here. Get some paper cards, too, from NRG. This one doesn't even support us. We just love working with Nerd Rage Gaming. Get an 8% discount on all of your paper magic orders from NRG using promo code DIVE8. We have a really great number system here. Just DIVE10, DIVE15, DIVE8. The number indicates the discounts. I don't know who thought of that, but they were a genius. Yeah, we, we're in a, a beautiful moment where all of our promo codes make sense. That won't last forever because they will get posted somewhere and people will ask us to change them. But for now, discount with confidence. All right, with all that out of the way, let's get right into Ryan's brain. I, I thought we could have some fun before we dive right into, right into everything, if you don't mind. So, Stan, I don't know if you remember, when we used to do a lot more interview episodes, we used to do a little thing called Inside the Grinders Studio. Do you oh. remember this oh. segment we used to do? How could I forget? Ryan, have you ever heard us do this particular thing with people? I haven't, so please explain it. Are you ready to answer a couple of questions about yourself and your life in magic? I'm always ready. Uh, this is basically based off of uh, Inside the Actor's Studio. We're going to ask five questions about you to start off. And our first one is always the most open-ended thing in the world. Ryan, what's your favorite magic card? Oh, geez. My favorite magic card. Um, you know, I, I always say Remand. That's like my go-to. Uh, wow. I know you wouldn't expect that, right? Um, okay. There, there is uh, a card that I will talk about later on that has to do a lot with how I came to be such a combo player. Um, and that card is Serum Visions. So okay. that was definitely my favorite card, bar none, for quite a few years. Uh, but, you know, I've always loved Remand. I've always liked Serum Visions. Um, Jeez. But, you know, right now? Okay, here it is. For 2023, Fable of the Mirror Breaker <laughs> is my favorite magic card. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a good card. I, I will say Reman Serum Visions, two cards after our heart. I know that's something that Dave and I also share as appreciation for those two. Likewise, sad that those cards basically don't see any play anymore. Truly sad. Yeah. yeah. Certainly not Serum Visions, unfortunately. <laughs> but, Yeah. In Vintage Cube, I will first pick Remand any day of the week. That's amazing. I don't need like, a soul ring. Need, yeah, I'm going to need this later. Mana. Yeah. Doesn't cast Remand. It's colorless. 
Exactly. All right, so Ryan, then what is your least favorite magic card? Uh, Teferi here. Uh, Teferi, uh, the Time Raveler. Teferi Time Raveler. The Three Mana Menace. I hate that card so much. Stan, how do you feel about Teferi these days? You play it, but also... Yeah, I mean, I definitely share, share that frustration. Sometimes I want to be the baddie, though, and I put it in my decks. Am I the baddie? You are the baddie. <laughs> yeah. I hate to tell you, but we knew that for other reasons, though. Okay, great. <laughs> Solid answer there. A lot of people hate Teferi 3. What's your favorite format? Yeah, definitely modern. Um, it's when I when I look at the modern format, I see a blank canvas and I'm so familiar with the colors on my palette when it comes to modern. It just comes, uh, the format just comes really easily to me because I've been playing it for so many years. I understand modern. Modern understands me. We don't always get along, but, you know, we live a happy life together, <laughs> I should say. It's good. Uh, other than that, I absolutely love Limited. Um, those would be my two, for sure. But Modern, you know, always gets first place there. Awesome. And then final question. What is your favorite piece of magic slang that's PG for the kids? Ah, uh, let's think. Probably just gas, you know? Like... Uh, uh, I remember uh, I said that to my partner for the first time and they're like, what do you mean it's gas? And I'm like, you know, I mean, this is gas. We just got like a free appetizer or, you know, something like of that nature. Like this free appetizer is gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, oh, the spinach artichoke dip is just totally gas, you know, <laughs> explaining, explaining how like, you know, fossil fuels are a spinach choke dip. It's it's pretty funny. But yeah, yeah. I, I use that one the most. That's an easy favorite for sure. I've recently caught myself using magic slang at work a lot and oh, re no. referring to things as a scam. Like <laughs> people will will pitch marketing strategies and I'm and I'll be like, no, nah, emojis are a scam. Emojis in your marketing copy is a total scam. <laughs> they I think they usually know what I'm talking about. For for my work uh, slang usage. I've been using like Twitch slang. So um, someone said that they uh, couldn't participate in some sort of uh, like fun activity that we were doing after work. And I said like, oh, Sag, like S-A-D-G-E. Or I don't even know if it was in that capacity. I think we were actually at like a stand-up meeting and somebody said that they couldn't make something. I don't know. But, you know, just don't say Sag on your work calls. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I felt pretty bad about that. It I is going to cause a pause I, in the work call. Yeah. Yeah. I would, and I've, I think I've actually done that one too. Sag <laughs> is just a funny word to say. It is fun. All right. With that, now we, we, you know, we eased into a little bit. Now we little, did a little bit of brain warm-up. And now let's talk about putting cards together in ways that excite and bring victory. Yes. Stan. Yes. And let's start with maybe a, a news item. Ryan, I, I think certain congratulations are in order because you qualified for Dallas playing modern Amulet Titan. Yes. Thanks very much. It was an awesome weekend for Amulet. That is for sure. And your list, it had the four Mycosynth Gardens. Mm -hmm. Let's you talk about the deck and, and really let's talk about this card. Uh, the Mycosynth Gardens just incredible for amulet it's it's like what saga did for the deck when saga came out like you're telling me that this is another copy of amulet in my deck that's a big shoes to fill right because saga really was a huge bump to amulet oh i'm in love with the card 
I think if you're not playing four copies of uh, Gardens in your amulet deck, uh, you I guess you just don't like drawing amulet that much. I, I don't really know how else to put it. <laughs> So what did you take out? What like what? So you, we've been talking about this a little bit on the show lately. What were the cards that you felt comfortable removing from your list in order to play Micah Gardens? And I guess the big question, of course, is the big controversy in the Titan community. I suppose is are you still Dryad or no Dryad or kind of where where are you at right now? Right, right. So for this particular tournament, I went without Dryad. Um, wow, I know. Ooh, and I'm still kind of in the pro nut dryad camp. Uh, so let's talk about that. Um, I outlined when when guards was first spoiled. I'm like, okay, obviously this is going to be great. Uh, I just need to convince people that it's going to be great because that's just what I do every day, right? On Twitter, I'm always trying to share my thoughts, right? So I took a deep dive on it, and I came up with uh, a few of the lines where my cousin's gardens will be good. So if you go turn one saga, turn two gardens, you can make a turn two, a turn three Titan, um, provided that you play Grazer, Explore, or Azusa. You can get a turn two kill with gardens if you go turn one gardens, amulet, turn two, play a bounce land, let's say a Simic Growth Chamber, use that blue mana from Simic Growth Chamber to make your uh, gardens into a second amulet. Now you've got that one green floating, right? Play a grazer, gets you four, uh, gets you four mana, and then play another ramp spell. But that ramp spell has to be grazer, explore, or azusa, because dryad doesn't, it costs three mana, but it only gets you one land drop, whereas the other ones cost less and give you more, or azusa, same, gives you more, right? So dryad does not, uh, it doesn't percolate, you know? It doesn't let you get that Titan into play on turn three with a Saga Gardens draw, and it doesn't uh, open up a turn two kill line um, like that. So for those reasons, um, and with the card being brand new, and I wanted to, you know, try to push it as far as it can go, try to explore it as, as maximum as I could, right? So for those reasons, I decided to cut Dryad uh, from the list, and it ended up working really well for that event. So when we're cutting Dryad, we're also cutting Valakut. Yeah, absolutely. And going all in with, with four Azusa. Yeah. So, like, what if I told you that you didn't have to play Enters the Battlefield, Taps Mountain in your mono green deck? <laughs> so good. Seems better, Seems, I will say. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So Only it, when you put it that way, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Only when you put it that <laughs> way. So from the main deck, uh, to make room for Gardens, I cut the two Valakut. And I also cut the Bajuka Bog that I was rocking in the main, as Murktide can be a pretty tough matchup. So if we're no longer using Dryad and Valakit, which I th think we would agree was typically plan B for the Titan decks, is just a way for some extra reach, or if, you know, somehow actual playing Titan wasn't an option, you get the Valakit burn kill. Does this mean that the Microsynth Garden version that isn't with or that isn't running Dryad is all in on Titan? If we surgical titans, you're just kind of like on the Urza's construct plan. We can't forget about uh, Cultivator Colossus, though. So we've got two oh, right. Cultivator yeah. Colossus in the deck as well. Um, yeah, so that that's pretty interesting, right? Like not having that plan B. Um, and here's the thing. Um, I feel like right now, the Dryad having Dryad in your deck is important. 
I'm actually looking to put Dryad back in the deck at the moment. Uh, I just can't bring myself to cut Explore. Uh, you know, that said, I think not playing Dryad for that tournament was was definitely correct. Definitely the right move. Um, but that was because uh, my the, the LGS I was playing on, playing at, and um, the, just like the metagame as a whole was not ready for uh, the new version of Titan with four gardens, right? There wasn't... There wasn't a calibrated sideboard across the format to deal with the new Titan deck. Uh, and the deck had really been like kind of downtrending in the metagame for quite a bit. Um, so now that um, now that it's back, people are playing a lot more sideboard hate for Titan. And you kind of really need that plan B again. But eventually, the, 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 hate, will, the hate will die down. And you'll get those turn two kills again. And, you know, that's just the metagame. It'll just fluctuate like that. I was going to ask you, you know, we spent a good amount of time on last week's episode talking about the composition of the modern metagame on, on Magic Online. And one of the things that we had that was a highlight from that analysis that surprised us was that Amulet Titan, even with Micah's in the Garden, as far as um, challenge top 32 places go over the last three weeks, um, arbitrary timeline, but is what it is. Titan really hadn't upticked in meta share in that kind of winner's bracket on challenges at all. And and I was curious what you think about that, what you think about Titan going forward. Like, do you think people are ready for it now? So you're going to give it a break or kind of what, what's your mindset as far as, you know, will we see more? Or are you still going to play it right now? Or what, where's your head at? Yeah. So I think a big part of the reason why there hasn't been a huge uptick in Titan is uh, due to the fact that it's kind of hard to play. And I hate saying like, oh, Titan is such a hard deck to play, Ugh. but it's really hard to pick up. You know, you can't just like, just like, oh, hey, uh, hmm, challenge this weekend. I don't know. Maybe I'll pick up Titan for the first time ever and just give it a try. See what happens. Right. It's, yeah. it's really hard to pick up. So while the deck is like, you know, just got a really new powerful piece, it's going to take uh, time for like new adopters to get to a you know, challenge top 32 uh, place to be, if that makes sense. I, I mean, I'm, yeah. I, I always tell people, like, I'm not a very good Amulet Titan player. Um, but then I see people say things and I'm like, wow, they're also a not very good Amulet Titan player. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like the deck, um, the deck is so deep in like what you can do with it and um, figuring things out and such. And that's what keeps me coming back. I keep playing it because I, I feel like I'm not good at it. You know what I mean? And that challenge is exciting to me. But to, yeah, to answer your question neatly, uh, I think you just got to give people time to pick up the deck. And the people that were already doing really well with it are going to continue to do really well with it. And then those new players are going to come in and maybe we'll see an increase in meta share at that point. I feel like part of the problem is also just the Merktide matchup is difficult. At almost like as a, a foundational modern exchange as Merktide is favored against Amulet. And that said, I mean, agree, curious if you agree or disagree, but whether or not you agree, does Gardens change the matchup at all? Does Garden change how you actually play against like typical Amulet hate even? I'm curious if the Garden's impact is primarily on how fast you can do the occasional combo kill on turn two, or is it changing anything else about the texture of your gameplay? Yeah, so we don't talk about the Merktide matchup, <laughs> or at least I don't. You know, uh, I didn't even realize how cleanly I left that out of my uh, my answer. But yeah, it's definitely 
a nightmare matchup. I mean, counter spells, Unholy Heat does six damage, and um, Blood Moon, Dress Down, Subtlety. Like, those are the best cards against the Titan strategy, and they play all of them. Yeah, definitely, definitely a terrible matchup. And you know what? Uh, Gardens doesn't actually help your Murktide matchup at all. Um, if anything, you, you just cut Bajukabog to make room for it, right? So now you're feeling a little bit weaker to it. Uh, if you're like me and you're not playing Dryad because you value the consistency and explosiveness that Azusa and Explore can provide, um, now you have a you, you just cut a card from your deck that lines up decently against Blood Moon, right? Uh, because of that interaction. So you're actually more of a dog to Blood Moon uh, in, in, you know, in that matchup. You're more of a dog to Murktide because you have no Bajukabog in your main. Uh, yeah, it, it, the Murktide matchup definitely gets uh, worse when you go all in, right, with that, with that version. Um, kind of a problem, but hear me out. You get more consistency in your ability to make two amulets, which makes you able to get that turn three Titan more consistently, and that helps you across the board. Um, and even against certain draws against Murktide, right? Usually they're bad ones, but <laughs> it, it'll happen sometimes, right? You're just faster, yeah. right? So it's like I'm faster and more consistent, <clears throat> so sometimes the window for them to interact is smaller, right? If, you, if you're going to go off turn three, sometimes they can't cast Blood Moon in that window either, especially if you block their Ragavan with a Grazier or something like that. So there is, you know, yeah, that makes that makes sense for sure. But it's interesting that the the I mean, and we talked about this a little bit on the episode after the Pro Tour when I was talking with Devin with Doomwake, you know, where we were like, it's okay if you love your deck and it's not great against the best deck because you're still only going to play the best deck one out of every seven times or something like that. So maybe you dodge the matchup and then you roll everybody else and sometimes that trade is just fine. Uh, not that I think Murktai is the best deck. I should say the largest MetaShare deck, I suppose. Yeah. It is probably more accurate. It is literally everywhere. I, I saw a recent yeah. uh, metagame analysis on Twitter. Uh, I forget who who by, but they they always post the greatest visuals on the on the metagame stats. Murktide most played deck and not the most successful uh, deck. Uh, creativity actually has the highest win rate uh, according to their data. So in modern again. Oh, interesting. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to pivot to ad nauseum because the reason I want to ask about ad nauseum, the questions that no one, the deck that no one's asking about. <laughs> Ryan, when I first sort of discovered you and your Twitter persona, you were the ad nauseum main. And now that deck, that deck is basically gone. We're going to talk about ad to some extent, but I'm just curious, like you move from ad to a variety of other combo decks over the years. Right now you're on Amulet. Is there like any spiritual connection there? Is it really just about comboing by any means necessary? Or are you using some of the same neurons to play both decks? Wow, I love that. Am I using some of the same neurons? That's awesome. Um, <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, my relationship with Ad Nauseam is definitely spiritual. Uh, mostly because it has passed away. Um, but uh, no, I absolutely love that deck. I think what draws me to a deck is just, there's like two things. How cool is it? How fun is it? That's when I'm like just brewing and having a good time. And then when I'm trying to like win something, uh, it's gotta be like really powerful, you know? 
And to me, Ad Nauseam was like the most powerful deck. Like picking up your entire deck and then, you know, not playing cards to say you don't lose the game and then playing cards that just win the game automatically, incredibly powerful. And uh, Titan feels a lot like Ad Nauseam in the sense that you're still picking up your entire deck, but you're just doing it two lands at a time. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's still incredibly powerful. And um, it's hard to interact with. And it, it still loses to the same things. Like, you know, instead of getting your Pentad Prism or your Frexian Unlife blown up, you're getting your uh, Amulet of Vigor or your Urza Saga blown up. Uh, so you're still losing to some of the same hate, but, uh, it's just, it's just overall faster and, um, yeah, it's still great. So am I using some of the same neurons? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like with ad nauseum, a lot of the play patterns were like, how can I live one more turn? How can I just get myself to one life instead of zero? Uh, how can I see one more card further in my deck? How can I like, you know, scry this or whatever? It's all about just getting as deep in the deck as possible and staying alive as long as possible. Um, Amulet doesn't really have that kind of like, uh, oh, just hold on. You know, it's it's more of just like, you know, getting the sequencing right and then, you know, knowing what to search for when. Um, but as far as like, is it activating the same neurons because I'm enjoying it? Absolutely. It's still got the same puzzle piece aspect. Like... Um, okay, how can I sequence this so that I can win this turn versus uh, for Amulet versus with Ad Nauseam, how can I sequence this so that I can, you know, survive till this turn, uh, such of that nature. Um, like when you pick up your, your deck with Ad Nauseam, you want to leave like one card left in the deck if you need to go to your draw step on the next turn. Uh, if it's really a sticky situation, maybe you need to leave more than one card, you know, something like that. Um Oh, gosh, I'm just thinking about those things right now, and I, I really do miss that deck. <laughs> what happened? So like, cool. wh- I mean, Simeon Spirit Guy got banned. Mm-hmm. There was still hope for a little bit. You and other flag bearers were still like five owing occasionally and showing that it could compete on a certain access. Why do we just not see any of it now? Is it really all Counterspell's fault? Uh, it's not all Counterspell's fault. So when we lost Simeon Spirit Guide. Uh, terrible. I, I, I literally, I literally cried. I actually cried. Why did the deck really go away? Here's the thing. Shardless Agent is printed, right? Cascade decks are everywhere. You are, what are you cascading into? You're cascading into a suspense spell. You don't have to wait all those turns to cast your suspense spell. You can just do it immediately. And that's really, really powerful and great. Here's the thing with Ad Nauseam. We lost Simeon Spirit Guide. But what we got that put us back on the map for a moment was a Profane Tutor. It's a tutor spell, suspend two. After you suspend two, you get to Demonic Tutor. Really strong in your like two-card combo deck, right? But the problem is we've got Lotus Bloom, uh, completely necessary in my mind. Like You need four in your deck. If you're not playing four in your deck, you're doing something wrong. And now we've also got Profane Tutor. Super powerful card. You need to play four of these. Like It's... It's like a must-have for the deck. What Ad Nauseam is doing with these cards, these suspend spells, we're not cascading into them, right? We're literally, we have to have them in our opener. We have to suspend them. And then we have to live long enough to reap the rewards. People have so many cyborg cards for cascade, right? 
You've got Child's of the Void. You've got Flusterstorm. You've got um, Teferi. Yes, that's the card. I've blocked it out of my mind so hard I couldn't <laughs> even think of the name. So people are already playing these cards en masse to target the metagame. That's a big problem for Ad Nauseam. Uh, another thing, what's another really popular and strong deck right now? Hammer Time, Amulet. What do these cards have in common? They rely on cheap artifacts and enchantments to power out, you know, a really crazy uh, win. You have to play these artifacts on like turn one and turn two, etc. So people are uh, adding to their sideboard really mana efficient artifact and enchantment hate uh, for those decks. So now you have a deck with ad no you have ad nauseum now, right? Like in this metagame, you've got a deck that is hoping to draw their suspend spells on turn one and two, or uh, in their opening hand, suspend them on turn one, right? Um, and that loses to all the Cascade hate. And then you're also trying to play cards like Pentad Prism on turn two, Phyrexian Unlife on turn three. And that just loses to all the artifact and enchantment hate. Pretty much every deck in modern right now is gonna have artifact and enchantment hate for Hammer. And they're also going to have like Cascade spell hate as well. So, Ad Nauseam used to be a deck where there was really no good sideboard cards for it. Like, the worst thing you had to worry about was like, oh, they assassin trophied my Phyrexian Unlife. Oh, I guess right. I'll just get a land and win anyway. But now it's just like, there's so many answers to it. Besaju is in almost every deck. Uh, Leyland Binding is like in every deck. That's a one mana answer to my three mana enchantment at instant speed. Guess I just lose. You know, it's, right. it's really tough. There's never been more answers against Adnaz, and um, the deck also just lost its most mana efficient. It's mana. It's mana source really to to like do the game. So, so even if Simeon Spirit Guide was still legal, let's say they print Elver Spirit Guide, it sounds like the the hill is still too steep for for uh, Adnaz in this metagame, in this MH two world. I mean, fast mana is a powerful thing, though. I mean, we all know it. Like, free mana is powerful. So I, I don't know. Would that be enough to make you incentivized to want to try it again? You, you're basically buying yourself an extra turn. Um, would it incentivize me to try again? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I will, I will always... <laughs> if, if you tell me that Adnaz has a shot, I'm going to give it a shot. But um, it doesn't solve some of the problems. And... Getting back to, to if they printed Elvish Spirit Guide, uh, don't be afraid to dream a little bit bigger. Uh, they're going to they're gonna print Dwarven Spirit Guide. It's a white version. So oh, uh, yes. that's going to help yes. out that's what you with want. our Angel's Grace and all that. So there even if a card like that was printed, uh, I just, it's really hard to see. Like every deck has access to, well, let's say Simeon Spirit Guide gets unbanned. Every deck has access to Simeon Spirit Guide again. That just makes the Cascade decks way stronger and they're we're still using the same mechanic right suspend we're still playing these zero mana cost spells um cascade is always going to have the same kind of you know it's always going to demand the same cyborg cards that are great against us and hammer's not going anywhere people are still gonna it's still like adnaz went from a place where there was like maybe two or three cyborg cards that they could bring in to like now every deck has like eight sideboard cards they can bring in because it gets tagged by so much of the hate in the format. Susp uh, suspend card hate, artifact and enchantment hate.
David, do you remember your first 10-year anniversary? Actually, my 10-year anniversary is coming up this year, amazingly enough. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about our very special friends over at Barrister and Mann, who are also having their 10-year anniversary is coming up soon. And they're launching a celebratory fragrance to go with it. That's right. They're calling it Red Letter Day. And samples are already available of this brand new fragrance. And what's interesting about Red Letter Day is they're using suggestions for notes and spices from other fans of Barrister and Man and their fragrances. So this is like a this is like UGC user generated cologne. Exactly. You nailed UG, it. UGF user generated fragrances. Do you have a what are, what are the high level uh kind of things that have gone into Red Letter Day though? Have they said yet or are they asking for suggestions right now? Oh, we we have we have the full scoop. Principally, it consists of vanilla, bergamot, which I think I think we hear a lot about bergamot these days, don't we? Love love bergamot. It is a a smelly orange, apparently, as we've discovered in subsequent readings. That's what it is. It's like a tiny, uh, pungent orange that's used in a lot of uh, fragrance design. Yum. Also, cedar, sandalwood, leather, and cedar. We said cedar. We did say cedar. But this is talking my language. Vanilla, bergamot, a little bit of sandalwood. This is a musk. This is like a woodland musk. Yeah, I think that this is one. I have not gotten a sample of this yet, but we will be getting some soon. And I think that sounds like a great way to celebrate their 10th anniversary. And by the way, congrats to Will and the team at Barrister Man. 10 years as a small business in the rough and tumble world of fragrances, that's no no small feat. I, I haven't done anything for 10 years, so I'm, I'm impressed to live vicariously through them. They do have samples of the shaving soap available, so check that out. Um, they describe it as a woody character that offers a touch of creaminess from the sandalwood laid over the base vanilla character. And the tangy zest of bergamot and a touch of bitter leather round out the design, a striking contrast to the rest of Red Letter Day's softly sweet, woody design. Wow. Hmm. Sounds Yum. good. All right. Well, if you would like to check out Red Letter Day or any of the new fragrances that they have, including Marilyn, which is looking like a pretty another hit from Barrister Man. I'm looking at the reviews on their website right now with people talking about Marilyn. Uh, go check them out at barristerandman.com. And if you want to get 15% off of your first order, please use code the Dive Down 15 so that Will and team know that you've heard about them from us. Yes, and backed by popular demand, Rhapsody. It was a spring fragrance that. After it sold out, they got a lot of requests to bring it back, and now they have. So Rhapsody, Marilyn, Red Letter Day, so much more over at BarrySternMan.com. So let me, so I do, you've, you've set up nicely the next thing that we want to talk about in here. However... I do want to take one minute because we haven't really talked about your full background into these kind of decks, right? We don't have to go super deep on it. But, you know, we're talking about Amulet, powerful combo deck, Adnaz, stack-based combo deck, you know, more, more of that kind of thing. Where, how, how deep does this love of these kind of combo style, you know, I don't want to say non-interactive combo, but they are like, you know, they're magic combo, like they're magic mousetraps, kind of. They're like <laughs> these complicated combo decks. And it's it's the reason I, I ask is because like Stan and Shane and I very much like not those type of players. I mean, I played Cadaverous Bloom when I, you know, during like Mirage Standard back in the day, like when that was the best at Prosperity Bloom. And um, 
But after that, I've always gone back to stuff that's more assertive or more on the battlefield. Does this go farther back for you? Like you've been playing for a while, I know. Like what what was the deck before Adnaz or was there or was Adnaz the the spark that lit the fire for combo decks for you? Right. So I started playing in like 2009. Well, I was born in 1996. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My first ever tournament finish was a a scg states tournament in 2016 and that was with teamer scapeshift okay Uh, i picked up scape uh uh, rug scapeshift at the time i picked up rug scapeshift after Mm -hmm. they banned dig through time so never got to play it at its best but um that was my first like real combo deck uh when i was playing that and uh yeah, it was awesome. Like you got to play Remand, right? We talked about that card. You got to Remand right. their plays and then just live long enough, just survive long enough to get that many lands on the battlefield, play your one card, and then boom, you know, you just win the game right away. Such a cool concept to me. Absolutely loved it. Um, after that, uh, I was just in love with the teamer color combination. And, you know, my brain is developing. I'm not fully mature. I'm a young, I, I'm young at this time. We all make mistakes. I started playing Delver in Modern. <laughs> huh, sure. Hey, uh, you know, we, we've all, we've all, did, we've we've all, all done it. We've all been there. Yeah, we've yeah. all done it. I'm yeah. glad this is a safe space where I could talk about Delver in Modern. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. really great. Um, so this particular, uh, I, I, went, I did a little digging when I saw this question, but I have a finish from 2017 with Rug Tempo at a 1K. So this was after the Eye of Ugin ban. Okay. But it was still pretty much everywhere because everyone just got the cards, right? I was actually playing the creature Narnum Renegade in my main deck. Now, that's a a one-mana, one-two death touch. And if you trigger Revolt, it enters with a plus counter. So I was playing... Oh, it's it's an elf, right? Yeah. I think so. Let me click it. Here. I played it in Zoo. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was very deep in the sauce. And <laughs> my my de- sauce is probably another good magic slang, by the way. It is good. Yeah. It was uh, very deep in the in the Teamer Delver sauce. But I was a Teamer Delver player for sure. I was on the MTG Salvation Forum. Remember that? That was... Sure. That was... Uh, I was really active there. And... Um, Something that went really well with Delver was uh, Seer Missions. Just like you draw and then you scry to set up your Delver. That's so good, right? So I really fell in love with the Seer Missions uh, in my Delver phase. Um, I just love the card. Like it just fixes all of your problems. It makes everything so consistent. And back when the mulligan system was terrible, like you just mulligan down to five, you just draw five cards. That's it. Oh, now I get to scry? Sure. Okay, well, that's a little better, but... Seer Visions really undid a lot of these, uh, you know, risky one-lander keeps or whatever. Um, but the thing about Delver and Modern is it's not very good. And I was starting to get, like, a little burnt out on, you know, not doing well. I'm like, you know, I'm a pretty good player here. Uh, I'm just not getting results because I'm playing these trash decks. I need, I, need to, I need to go back to the drawing board. And my, my thought was... I. I these are my three things. As a Teamer Delver player, I hate losing to Burn because I always do it, and it's so frustrating. I hate losing to Tron. It's the most. I just yeah. hate. I hate losing to Tron. Like You're speaking my language. I really yeah. hate losing to Tron. I hate losing to Burn, and I really love the card Serum Visions. So I'm like, there's got to be a deck in Modern that plays Serum Visions, 
and is great against burn and great against Tron. And that's literally ad nauseum. It, yeah. I was like, wow, this deck seems like a perfect fit. And it reminded me of Team Escape Shift because you just have to survive long enough. Just, you know, like with Team Escape Shift now, you just have to like live one more turn to play that seventh land and then cast Escape Shift. With ad nauseum, it's like you just have to live one more turn so your bloom can come off of suspend. You know, it had the same feeling right. and it was equally awesome. Very, very cool. Uh, and that's how I kind of fell into ad nauseum. And it just really, the deck really played to my strengths. I love figuring out those puzzles. I love the play style of trying to eke out a win by surviving just long enough. And then like, once you just get past that, it's like, boom, such a huge advantage. Really, really fun deck. And you know, when you're having fun playing magic, you tend to do well, right? Yeah. All right. So the the deck that I know there are a number of people in our Discord that people wanted to hear you talk about for sure. We do have a contingent of fans of Cascade, of course, of course, but not just Rhino Cascade, not just Living End. It's the secret third uh, Cascade, which is Glimpse Combo, right? So we talked about Cascade. I'd love to hear you, you know, stand on where you want to start this section, but um, I'd love to hear you talk about how that deck started to come up, how you started to get interested in it. And then we can kind of take it from there. Yeah, because I pl- I picked it up too. I was I was doing all the other cascades, and then I saw you tweet about it. And maybe my memory is deceiving me, but I I got the sense that you came up with it. Is that true? Am I am I giving you credit that you don't actually deserve? Yeah. So I would love to take credit for the the glimpse uh, with Omnath. Uh, I actually got the idea from. Uh, MTGO and Twitter user Xenowan. Um, yeah. uh, they, they posted in the Discord that they top aided a challenge uh, with the deck. I, I have it linked here um, in the notes, in the show notes, but uh, I saw it and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Uh, the reason I took to it so much was because Cascade really struggles against counter magic, right? But this particular version of Cascade, Glimpse, uh, the Glimpse Cascade deck, played four copies of Cavern of Souls. So you're shoring up one of your greatest weaknesses there for almost free, right? Because it's a, it takes up a land slot, um, which I thought was incredibly, incredibly powerful. Um, so Xenowan posted that, and uh, Xenowan is also a really fantastic brewer. Uh, they posted like a Karn version of the deck. They were just trying out all these things. And I feel lucky that I saw it and I was like, that's the list. That like that that concept of putting cavern in your glimpse deck, that's that's really strong. So I, I took the list and I, I made quite a few, not quite a few, I made changes to the mana base and to the sideboard as well. Um I feel like the mana base needed a lot of work. Like they were playing uh like Sacred Foundry, and I I didn't think that was correct. And um uh, it's crazy how like the mana base is so intricate and important in that deck because uh, when, you, when you're playing Glimpse, you need to uh, sack your fetches to get basics, right? Um, to add mana, to continue the combo. But uh, you, you're, you're also playing like all these crazy costs and you don't want to play that many basics because you're just a pure combo deck that's trying to win on, like trying to execute on turn three, four. So... Uh, yeah, very interesting mana base. But no, yeah, Xenowan posted the list. 
I immediately went, I, I took it. So they posted it on uh, June 4th. I made a tweet that I went 10-0 in leagues with it on the 15th. And then I won an RCQ with Glimpse uh, the, the next month. Okay, I, I have a question right here then. How do you play this in paper when you go off with Glimpse and there's 40,000 triggers on the stack and <laughs> multiple Omnaths <laughs> triggers happening at the same time with multiple Omnaths that are like seeing multiple lands? It's just, it seems untenable to me. Lee McLeod, I think, did the, was playing in paper two for a bit. Like, I, that's the part I don't get. You can't use little colored dice to track your storm count and and you know ritual mana how, how do you do it with this yeah so when i first tried to tackle that issue i actually made like paper tokens to represent the triggers and mm -hmm. it was just unmanageable it was just like impossible i was like my opponent's already sitting there like arms crossed like right gosh this is their fourth glimpse i can't believe i'm sitting through this and i just have to take it or whatever by the way you can concede the game at any time so if you're miserable that's your own fault <laughs> <laughs> but um that sounds like a new pin i should do you can concede the game at any time if, if yeah if you're miserable it's your fault yeah, yeah. i think i think there's there's actually merch because that, that's an actual rule like 1043 a right or something a player making can see at any time yeah, that's a popular, uh, that's a popular one. But um, yeah, so the token cards to represent the triggers was not working. I'm like fumbling, like it's just it's too much. So um, little known fact, I actually made a cyborg guide and, uh, for a glimpse, and I had a deck guide as well. And in that deck uh, guide, I included a flowchart of the easiest way to stack the triggers, and um how to work through them and like what to do first etc to make it as easy as possible uh as far as multiple on mass i always say to my opponents i put all my things into play let's just go through the flow chart really quick i put all sure. my things in play right <laughs> yeah. yeah um hold on is this what you're saying to your opponent are you saying to your opponent let's just lo go to the flow chart <laughs> No, no, no. Okay, so we're um, here right now. Yeah. We're moving to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Step C, I make clue tokens. No. Okay. So let me just like do a little um like a skit. Like I'm like I've just resolved the glimpse for 20, right? Okay. All right. So this is what I would yeah. say. I would say something like this. Um all right, so first thing we need to do is resolve our legend rule. Um, I'm going to these omnaths right here are in the graveyard, but I'm gonna leave them on the battlefield just to represent the triggers that they would put on the stack, okay? Okay. So after that, we need to do our as these as this enters. So now I have to choose if I want to put my shock lands untapped or tapped, and then I have to choose what I want to name with my cavern of souls. After that, I'm gonna resolve all my Omnath ETB triggers. So all the landfall triggers and then all the draw card. Then I just then I just move my Omnath to the graveyard. After that, I'm gonna do all my Risen Reef triggers. And um, this works out pretty well because you always wanna draw your cards before you do your Risen Reef triggers just in case you would deck yourself, right? So then you do all your Risen Reef triggers and, um, oh geez, I've, I've already messed up. I have to announce my targets with Fury and Endurance. <laughs> so wow. Wow. yeah, it's, it's crazy. We don't have to go through the whole thing, but wow. I always do my Omnaths, then my Risen Reefs, then I do my targeted things like Endurance and Fury. And then I'll do my clue tokens, plant tokens, fable of the mirror breaker token. And yeah, so. 
Wow. A lot of triggers. But if you do it the same way every time, you get pretty you get pretty good at uh, parsing through that crazy amount of information. Now, I, I've been out of touch with modern a little bit. For the, you know, I just moved to another continent and et cetera. That takes up some yeah, that yeah. takes up some brain brain space. But I still feel like I haven't really seen or heard from this deck in a minute. Even though something we keep coming back to is that modern is relatively stable. The post MH2 format is a lot of familiar faces. There's some ebb and flow, but no one's like truly breaking it. Is this deck still on the outer rim? Or did something happen that just kind of makes it the worst of the Cascade strategies? I would say a couple things have changed since that that uh, that amazing like tear that I had with the deck. Um, first thing would be the rise of creativity. Uh, creativity is a very tough matchup for this deck. Uh, they play like four spell pierce in the main. Uh, they also have cascade hate in the sideboard. Uh, and beyond that, um, our kind of cruelty is pretty good against our backup plan, which is just like hard cast Omnath, hard cast fury. Like, uh, creativity is very good against the deck. They also play like Teferi hero in the main as well. Uh, and if not, sometimes they'll play it inside. Like deck is definitely our worst matchup and it became a lot more popular, um, after that point in time, right? And now it's just like one of the most played, like the second most played deck in the format or something like that. Yeah, it's definitely close to the top. And it's close to the top in that that winner's bracket stuff I was talking about from last week too. It's it's high up mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrible deck to play against. Uh, another factor um, is that uh, Amulet went down in MetaShare. I know we've just talked about how Amulet is, you know, coming back and it's like doing well right now. But at that point in time, <clears throat> Amulet was starting to do worse uh, or at least wasn't getting played as much. So and Amulet is a great matchup for Glimpse because you play a four subtlety in your sideboard, which is very powerful against Amulet. One of the best cyber cards for the Amulet matchup. And um, they don't interact with your Glimpse plan at all. You just get to you know, poop out your plant tokens, make your clue tokens, and they just kind of like play lands. And even if they make a big 6-6 and they hit you for, I don't know, well, 16, um, you just untap and win the game, you know, and go off. So that that matchup becoming less popular and creativity becoming more popular was a big part of why the deck went away. Um, Another thing I want to say, at least from my experience, is that uh, people just got better at playing against it. Like, uh, when I first started playing the deck, um, I always touted that, you know, Murktide is such a great matchup. Like, I, have not, I haven't I have lost to Murktide. Like, I, I usually never lose to Murktide. It just lines up against their deck so well. But over time, and, like, especially, like, uh, the last time I took it out, like, I actually played it at an SCG in every event, and I, I did not do very well at all. It was a terrible weekend for me, honestly. Um, and... I was playing against Murktide and I don't, I, I didn't even know if I beat Murktide once and I played it like three times. And that's because the Murktide players have just gotten better at playing against uh, like Cascade strategies or specifically like the Glimpse strategy. Like they understand, okay, well they need the, this material early on. I'm going to just lightning bolt the, the plant token instead of lightning bolting their face or, or something of that nature. I mean, 
you know, that's an example. So the or holding the, the removal for risen when risen reef hits the board. Instead, I'm just going to get rid of the plant token so they can't glimpse. Like they're that kind of thing, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's cool. I mean, like I said, we have, there's a couple of people in the discord who are big fans of this. I think they're, they're active in the glimpse discord as well. So they're in there like waiting for the, for the deck to come back. I know, um, you know, Kilgore in our mm -hmm. chat, I think is in the middle of foiling out the deck with, because he loves it so <laughs> much. Um, Brian, I'm looking at your, your tweet from June 16th, 10 own leagues in fable. We trust. And I see this, this response uh, from from a guy standing in front of a hot dog, medium gallery, <laughs> replying to you. Can you share a link that I can export? Yeah. <laughs> so, Thanks for your contribution right to the discussion, I was, I was right. I was I was right there with you, man. <laughs> so so this is the the combo glimpse or the combo cascade version, right? So you know. Living End is one kind of combo. Rhinos is your grindy kind of combo. This is your non-graveyard reliant cascade combo deck. I would say this is the deck to play when Cavern of Souls is really good. Like, um, if blue counter magic is very prevalent, this deck is going to do very well. When uh, linear strategies like Titan are doing really well, this deck is going to be really good. Let me just take a quick look at this metagame here. Uh, when Hammer is doing really, really well, this deck is really great against Hammer. So that that's pretty much your answer. Like, this deck lines up... I still think that Glimpse Combo is one of the best decks you can play uh, in just how it lines up against so well against things. Uh, yeah, it can be hard to stomach when you have a bad Glimpse. There is that variance element, and I think that variance element is such a feel-bad, it keeps people away from it. But uh, It certainly makes people not take it seriously. I think that's part of it. Like, people, you know, Magic players really, like, your mindset when you play Magic is the game has RNG in it, and I'm my goal is to minimize the RNG as much as possible. That's my path to victory. And I think the decks that like accept it and kind of try to maximize the fact that we're spinning the wheel essentially as part of the game plan of this deck, like I think people don't like that intrinsically. Other than creativity though, I, I kind of assume scam is probably also a problem and the rise in turn one double grief or like getting griefed and furied and losing all of your plant tokens like probably is an issue for for glimpse as well yeah it can be it can be challenging it's definitely like a, a 50 50 matchup you gotta figure though like um just casting omnath is pretty good against uh scam so so that's that's the thing that makes this deck so cool is like if you're playing living in for example and you get double double griefed and you know they take all of your cascades that's really tough. Like it's going to be really hard to come back from that in some situations. But if you're playing Glimpse, they take all your Cascade spells. All right, that's fine. I guess I'll just go turn three Risen Reef. I'll do my Risen Reef thing. Uh, I'll play Fable. I'll play Omnath. I'll just play all these two for ones, and then you know I'm going to get out of this hole. Um, the problem can be Blood Moon, obviously. If they if they have like double grief and Blood Moon, I mean you got scammed, right? Like. That, that's the experience. Um, but that doesn't always happen, right? There are ways to beat that deck that um, not all the other Cascade decks have access to because you have all these grindy two-for-one uh, spells in your in your deck. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing with this deck too. Like you said, is like the 
Living End and Rhinos sort of don't have a game plan if they don't, not don't have a game plan, but they have a worse game plan if they don't get to Cascade. And some of the value cards are not as good. Stan is looking at me angrily by saying this about Rhinos. Like, I know it's nuanced, but like you said, this can just become an Elementals deck if you lose all your combo elements. And sometimes those cards are just powerful enough that you can still you can still get there for the win against certain matchups. Yeah, definitely. You hit the you hit the nail on the head, and that's why I like this deck so much. Uh, the, uh, Glimpse, uh, you just you have a really powerful plan A, and you're not really giving up like anything to do your plan B. Like you just have a really powerful plan B as well. Like Omnath is a really great value card uh, that can get you back into a game, and it's also just a win con when you go like pseudo infinite with Glimpse. It's just stupid cool like that card is way too good <laughs> all right so before we close out i do want to talk about brewing do you consider yourself a brewer are you a brewer main i i would definitely say that i am a brewer i just yeah. started writing articles for the mana base a website and in my my little one-liner is uh i i, I enjoy a good brew uh magic and otherwise so nice <laughs> So I, I do definitely enjoy brewing. I, I look at magic as like a creative outlet and brewing is definitely my creative outlet for sure. So uh, that is great there. Uh, I'm always I'm always looking to make the game fun and interesting and just copying a list uh, for a metagame I don't even know or understand uh, is not going to prepare me for the metagame I'm about to enter. So that that presents a creative challenge, right? And that's where, you know, having the ability to brew and, and oh my gosh, make choices for myself. Scary. Uh, yeah. That's, that's where that comes in. So I, I definitely would call me, call myself that as far as like a brewer main. I mean, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Like what are the archetypes <laughs> like <laughs> brewer main and then uh, pilot main, I guess. I would a technician like that's what I try to like deck specialist. Yeah, personally, my aspiration is never to build a deck like I want to be a good pilot. Like that's where I feel like my game is is at. I don't I'm not great. I've never been great at building decks the entire 30 years I've been playing Magic basically or 20 let's say to be fair 29 years I've been playing Magic probably. And um but I do think I can get good at piling a deck for sure, especially something like a hammer or something like a, uh, you know, prowess, like that kind of stuff is kind of where my mindset is at. Um, and that's where I get joy out of magic. Honestly, it's weird. We've talked about this on the show before. I, I am a, like I'm a graphic designer daily. My daily job is to be creative. There's no like feedback is really squishy in that world. Like there's no, you never know what's up and down. And like, it's hard to know if you've done well or not. And so the joy I get out of magic is that kind of like piloting and the results are really like black and white. It's like, okay, I won or I lost. I piloted it well. I didn't pilot it well, that kind of thing. Uh, instead of trying to seek like creativity in the space. Mm, that's Stan, awesome. where do you think you, you are? What do you think in your, your mind or what type of player do you think you are? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm closer to Dave every once in a while. Like I'll have just a half baked idea that I'll load up in like either tournament practice or even like some best of one cues on arena, just, just to see if like this random assortment of blue red spells works. <laughs> Oftentimes the answer is no. Um, but, but yeah, like I just get more 
satisfaction out of getting good with a deck and then doing well with it somewhere rather than like coming up with a novel idea that that others haven't yet yeah so part of my process of getting good at a deck is to kind of try to build it from the ground up and make all these changes make all these like uh i guess brewing decisions uh with an archetype uh because that helps me understand it better and if i can understand it better it helps me play it better so I feel like um, we all want to be good magic players, right? And part of my journey to becoming a good magic player with a particular deck is to brew with it, try things with it, question it, uh, and try to make it my own in a way. Um, and I just think it's so cool that we can all have like different ways of doing that. Like, so yeah, yeah, I would say I'm a I'm a I'm a brewer slash. I don't know, tinkerer guy. Tinkerer, maybe? yeah. Tinkerer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it just, I like to, I like to get under the hood and uh, try it, try it my way. Um, and it, I mean, it, famously, it, Jerry Thompson is sort of like the archetype of the tinkerer, right? Like my understanding is that, and he's even talked about this on arena deck lists and stuff that I don't think he builds a lot of decks from the ground up, but a lot of the decks that he's credited with like optimizing for a pro tour win or for a large tournament win, it's, it's through I think that kind of like ripping it apart, putting it back together, making some tweaks that make it really fit what it's trying to do and then kind of going from there. Uh, so there's definitely like that's that's a vibe, too, is like I'm the, the optimizer, the tinkerer, like you said. Uh, absolutely. That's the vibe I'm going to roll with. Do you think modern is still a brew friendly format, even though things have been relatively very stable and newcomers tend to be fewer and far between these days? Yeah, Um that's a tough one. I, it's definitely less brew friendly um, because the cards are just so like powerful now. Like it's like you're giving up a really big cost if your deck doesn't have a Ragavan in it, or if or Renin Six or Cascade uh, spell. Um, and uh, it's it's just when when the cards are so powerful, it, they kind of create a vacuum around themselves, like. Not being a, like you have to justify why you aren't playing one of these, you know, like one of the like pillars of the format, and uh, that can definitely be hard creative wise. That said, um, answering those cards uh, and like finding ways to beat those cards—that's where like your creativity can really come in. And um, I think you know every format can be great for brewing. Every format has its own brewing challenges. I think the modern format right now, it's like, how can I beat, uh, how can I beat X while still having a good matchup against uh, all these terrible cards, or terrible cards, like all these uh, really powerful cards. Um, like, for example, with Amulet, like, how can I make my deck as consistent as possible while still not being completely dead to all the hate that everyone is starting to bring in? Uh, that's a challenge, right? And that's what I'm working on right now. And that's why I'm probably going to go back to Dryad uh, just until people put the subtleties and the blood moons back in their binder, you know? <laughs> so Yeah, maybe Modern's more of a tinkering <laughs> format right now. Absolutely. Where it's like we know what these super powerful things are, but perhaps there's more opportunity yet still in, in how we can configure them. Mm -hmm. Do you have a short list of cards that you feel like have some glimpse of tomorrow style energy around them in modern right now that haven't been figured out? Like, is there anything that you just are like, man, I, w I wish something could happen with something. Yeah. So the capricious hellraiser, 
I think is a All really right. sweet card. Yeah. Um, and it's one that definitely has my attention right now. Uh, I I know we talked briefly about a, a, a very cryptic tweet that I made a few days ago about uh, a Pioneer Brew, but I was, uh, so to delve into that Pioneer Brew, I guess, I was trying to use Dragon's Approach with Capricious Hellraiser because it exiles a lot of cards. At, so uh, Dragon's Approach says, if you have four copies named Dragon's Approach in your graveyard, you can exile them and then cast a dragon from your deck for free, basically. So now you've gone, you've just removed a ton of cards from your graveyard, which makes your odds of hitting like the juicy target with your Capricious Hellraiser that much better. I was giving that a shot. It wasn't good. It, it, it like, we're, there's still some ideas I have, but they're also very bad too. So, you know, but that's, that's part of like, you know, the creative challenge, right? So Capricious Hellraiser is on my list of cards that I think are underused. I can probably think of a few others. I, I think uh, Atraxa is really strong, and there's been a few like like there's like some Gorios lists. Those seem interesting to me. Gorios always a card that's kind of hanging out just outside there. Where you're like, hey, is the Emrakul deck going to come back? Yeah. Uh, one of my one of my good friends at my local game store actually did Gorios and Emrakul against me. Uh, uh, not last FNM, but the FNM before that, and I was like. All right, well, I have two amulets in play now, and I'm at five life. <laughs> right. see if we can make it happen. Yep. Uh, we did not make it happen. <laughs> oh, no. But Sorry yeah. to hear it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then Elish Norn is, like, really interesting, too. The new Elish Norn. Um, just, you know, big, bomby mythics are always, are always interesting to look at. But, yeah, no, it really just comes to me, like, I will, I will just sit down, and, and I'll be like, I feel like making something. And then I will just scroll or just like look at new cards and think like, ah, oh, this this came to me like almost almost in a dream, you know? Like, right. And uh, that's fun too. That's that's where the the the, the brewing and the the cryptic tweets come in and all, stuff of that nature. <laughs> so. I think my last question is just where are you at on Pioneer? We've talked so much about modern. You mentioned trying to brew in there. Um, I'm not sure if if Dreamhack Dallas is a Pioneer format or a standard format. It's hard to keep track, but do you like the format in general? Yeah, so it is a pioneer format, and there I think there are uh, one, maybe two sets to come out. I know there's like an aftermath mini set. I believe that will be pioneer legal, and I believe that comes out before Dallas. Um, how do I feel about the format overall? I mean, uh, it's not great. <laughs> it's not really for me. It's just like a, like I'm coming from modern. Like, oh, I love doing really powerful things, right? And then Pioneer is kind of like the antithesis of that. It's like where uh, red-black mid-range is your most powerful thing to do. I, I am playing Lotus Field right now. Uh, I would say that's like my my deck of choice. I just had... Sounds I mean, right. Sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> it, it, it's like putting Omniscience into play is pretty powerful. Can't argue with that. Yep. And it's a little hard to interact with to a degree, but not really. You know, I mean, everyone has like four sideboard cards for it. The problem with Lotus Field to me, it, it feels like I'm working retail, when I'm when I'm playing that deck, it's just like waiting to do something. You gotta get your lands into play. It's the same song and dance every single time. And then like you cast ultimatum, and this is where it's like you're you're like imagine you're a, a cashier and you're someone's trying to check out and they just need to put their card in the chip reader. They just won't do it. That's what it feels like when you're waiting for someone to choose your ultimatum pile. You're just like, I've already won. It doesn't I, matter. Yeah. 
You yeah. just need to pick something so we can continue on. And it's like, right. I don't know. The play patterns aren't great. And I hate losing to mono green. I hate losing to that deck. It that is, fits too. And I do too, for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is just miserable. I, I, I mean, I guess I have some sympathy for my opponents when I'm like glimpse cascading and I'm just like doing all these things that might amount to nothing. But like when your opponent like spends their six mana, looks at the top five cards of their deck and it's just like, all right, well, if they hit two Planeswalkers, I lose. If they hit nothing, they're just going to do it again. And uh, I don't know. Not to be a huge hater on the format. It's not a format that really excites me. Uh, I'm going to give it, I'm always going to give it a shot. I do love the game of Magic and I'm really excited for Dallas. I'm going to give it a fair shake. I might honestly look into Red Black a little bit because I just really love Fable of the Mirror Breaker, like I said before. And uh, I think that's a deck that's making good use of it. When I when I was playing in uh, Atlanta, I was playing Karuga Fires because it was a powerful deck that played four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and um, I just I just love that card. So uh, I Red do Black think that's where a... you want to be in Pioneer. Yeah, Fable's I think Fable's the best card, and as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I think Fable's the best card in the format. So whatever you're doing, it's going to be good if you're using that for sure. Yeah. So I mean, if you can think of any really cool decks to play four Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Uh, put them on my radar. I will definitely check them out. Awesome. Well, we should probably start wrapping up. I do want to say, though, that although I typically feel the way about Pioneer, um, there was this FNM here in Manchester that I got a chance to play at, and it was, in fact, Pioneer. So I had to buy some cards. My my favorite thing to do in Magic. I guess, <laughs> I guess you know, there, there's Brewer Main, there's Pilot Main, and then there's the Consumer Main. And that, <laughs> that might be me. That might be me, too, at this point. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what deck did and- you play? I played uh, Elves, Golgari Elves, and happy to report three set boosters Ooh, for my 3 0. Let's go. Look at you. Look at that. That is awesome. Um, can I crack a pack with you guys? Sure. Please. Let's just, let's just see what a set booster did. This is just peak consumer main content right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was only six pounds to play. That's the currency in England, the, the pound sterling. Maybe you've heard of it. Six pounds for three boosters, not bad, right? All right, so well, it's backwards. I don't know if you guys have ever watched like Pokemon pack crackers, but they like go like one, two, three, put like yeah. a selection of cards in, in like a different order to like surprise change you. when you see the rare. I don't know, I don't know, but let's see. Aspirant's Ascent. I don't think that's a card. Flee, free from flesh. Never heard of it. Offer immortality. I'd take it. Seems fake. Okay, thrill of possibility. A I mean, thrilling card. Card I love, but yeah, it's been reprinted a lot. Yeah. Prologue to Phyresis. Each opponent gets a poison counter. Draw a card. I don't know. That's it. Does draw a card, doesn't it? Urbrask's Anointer. It's a wizard. Maybe you can put it in your wizard's lightning deck, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> Churning Reservoir. I, I haven't heard of any of these cards. I was like so removed from spoiler season yeah, this time. None around. of these are any good for what it's worth. They're all pretty <laughs> medium. What about Resistance Skywarden? It's a 5-5 five, five for 5 with Menace and Reach. Is that a good I card? I played in Sealed for sure. All right, there we go. Oh, this is pretty. Nec- Necrogen Rot Priest mm-hmm. in like the weird full art black and white. I guess it's not full art. It's just like black and white treatment. These look really nice. Yeah. Definitely cool. This card treatment. Another Miglaws. I opened a Miglaws on the show last week. <laughs> Miglaws. Now we got another Coming one. back for you. 
And then we got a foil magmatic sprinter. Bad pack. Mm. I, like I said, Miglaws is a fine card to get if you ever want to play red, green, and pioneer stand. It's a, it's a good good card. The boat stack. In the boat stack, yeah. That, that deck does look pretty cool to yeah. me. Well, we're just going to have to win more FNMs and open more packs in the future. Exactly. I think so. Should be no issue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think I think that does it for me. Is anything we didn't talk about that that either of you guys want to touch on real quick? Ryan, do you want to tell people where they can find you? On like you said, you started writing. Give them your Twitter handle. Do you stream? Do you stream a little bit too? It sounded like uh, you have. I haven't the... really streamed lately, um, but I, I would love it if people would just check me out on Twitter. Uh, that's that's where that's like where you can find me. That's where you can reach me. If you're curious about anything related to me at all, Twitter is the place to go. And that's at GR underscore Donkin, uh, all caps. I, I love the game and I, I love its community. And I, I love being here. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I hope uh, I hope I was a, good, a great guest. I appreciated our conversation. It was it was really fun to chat about modern. It's a fun way to one way to spend some time on a Sunday morning chatting about combo decks. Fantastic. I feel like, you know, magic is one of those things where it's almost more fun to talk about it than it is to play it at some points. And uh, I definitely had fun here today. So we have 213 episodes of us enjoying talking about it more than <laughs> playing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's it's 430 in the afternoon for me. Or whatever. I don't know. Oh, OK. I've, I've, ha- I've had a day. Yeah. I've already gone grocery shopping. <laughs> That's what I'm doing now. I need to get a haircut. That's my plan. Ryan, we'll we'll have some links to your stuff in our show notes as well, so people don't have to f- figure out how to spell your last name. Just look at the the episode notes in your podcast app. All right, thank you again, Ryan. Yeah, always always happy to chat. Um, thank you guys for always making my Twitter experience uh, more enjoyable. My friends always uh, send me. They're like, "Oh my gosh, the you know the dive down mentioned you on their podcast today," and I'm like. No way. That's awesome. And uh Yeah, you you're up there for one of the most mentioned who players who we haven't at least asked to come on the show. So it certainly was overdue. And it's just like you can only spend so much time flirting with someone on Twitter before you finally <laughs> like invite them on a podcasting date. Yeah. Yeah, this is really good. Uh happy to happy to be here. And uh I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Uh I just need to go do some more stuff. Maybe um maybe Dallas will be really good to me. We can chat about that. That'd be awesome. All right, that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast and get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to reach us online, you can tweet us at the dive down all one word or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash the dive down and check out our store at the divedown.com slash store. Shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring our show. Sign up for a Mana Traders account using promo code THEDIVEDOWN10, all one word. 10 is a number, though. Get 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. And also get some amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using promo code THEDIVEDOWN15 for 15% off your first order there. And then save some money on paper cards if you're in America over at Nerd Rage Gaming with code DIVE8 for 8% off your order from NRG. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and enjoy some early mods!